Welcome to Dietitians Uncorked, a podcast hosted by Kat and Kelly, two registered dietitians who co-founded Nutriving, a virtual nutrition practice. We talk all things food, nutrition, life, and of course, wine. This is a judgment-free zone where all foods fit and all bodies are welcome. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome to another episode. Um, you are going to be listening to a hopefully very practical episode. Um, we get a request a lot, like pr- pretty often, um, to discuss this one topic. Um, and based on the demographics of most of our listeners, we believe that this might be something useful to you. Um, and what we're talking about today is dietary or diet interventions that can help lower your cholesterol. And um, it, it may not sound the most exciting thing, but whether that's the main reason people come to see me or whether that's something we talk down the line, it seems to be a topic that comes up a whole lot. And um, we just want to make it easy, uh, make it evidence-based, make it um, easy to understand and implement. Um, yeah. And uh, also Kelly is here, which uh, she's your probably your favorite dietitian also because uh, maybe you don't know other dietitians besides just me and Kelly. So <laughs> what's up? <laughs> <laughs> we, we are here. Um, yeah, this episode I think, I hope will be very helpful. This is definitely something that comes up Often, I think that many people have a family history of, you know, high cholesterol, high triglycerides. And so as we age and you start to talk about those things with your doctor, your doctor takes your, you know, your lipid panel. So gets like a total cholesterol number, LDL, HDL. We'll talk about all of that. Um, but this is something that comes up for sure. And I think that sometimes in a doctor's appointment, yeah. they don't have a lot of time to really go into detail about this. And there's also new emerging research that, you know, as dietitians, we are often more tuned into because it's related to nutrition. Doctors don't, they're doing a million and one things, right? They don't always have time to like keep up to date with all that. Eggs always, this is such a common question. Like if I have high cholesterol, can I eat eggs? And so we'll cover all that today because I think there's just, there's not a lot of info out there, especially like I said, in a doctor's appointment setting, sometimes you walk away just like, oh shit, I have high cholesterol. Like what am I supposed to do now? You know, and maybe the doctor gave you a handout, but sometimes it helps to just talk that through with a professional and really think like, okay, these are the recommendations. What is that? What does that mean for me? Like, how does that compare to what I'm doing? What are some changes that I can make? Absolutely. I think also too, when you're going to see your doctor, whether this is in the setting of like, you know, once a year, kind of like your yearly checkup, or it's like something, uh, that is happening acutely. Let's say you have stomach pain or back pain, or you're having migraines or something, and then you happen to do a lipid panel, your cholesterol slightly above, likely, you know, and this happens a lot, your physician may not have enough time to cover just the, like the cholesterol plus everything else. And so they might just be like, oh, your cholesterol's high. And then you're like, okay, great. Should I, 
What should I do? Um, I also think that some doctors be like, just be healthier. (laughs) Just like do healthier Mm -hmm. things. And so just walk. Yeah. Just like eat healthy. Um, And that feels like a massive, uh, just too broad of a recommendation to put it into practice. Um, So hopefully if you have somebody in your family that has some higher cholesterol, if you've recently had high cholesterol, if at some point you had high cholesterol and you're like, was it the fact that I wasn't eating eggs, the main (laughs) intervention that helped bring it down? (laughs) We're going to talk through it. So I want to ask you, Kelly, since this is something that happens to both of us fairly common, what is, what's one of the things that you just bring up that it's like part of the conversation, kind of top of the list sort of? So I think fiber is one of my top go-tos. Yeah. Um, Yeah. One of the biggest ones for sure. So fiber, we specifically, we want to make sure we have sources of soluble fiber, which we'll get into. So there are different types of fiber. Overall fiber we find in, you know, fruits, vegetables, legumes, whole grains, but specifically a type called soluble fiber Mm -hmm. binds with cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And this is what helps because of that binding action. That's what helps bring down our cholesterol, specifically LDL often. Um, so fiber is, is one of my go-tos as well. Cause most people like have heard of fiber, right? They might have a concept of what it is. They might not understand why, right? Why it's related to decreasing cholesterol. So I think it's really helpful to say like it literally binds with it inside our, our system. And then that will be excreted. So that's not staying in the bloodstream and contributing to that higher blood cholesterol. I think knowing the why is yeah. I've found to be really helpful for patients. Absolutely. That binding reaction is like legit. We're not talking about uh, something that we've made up. This is like incredibly supported by um, evidence-based uh, studies that show this important reaction. And in the uh, cultural context that we currently have, which is um, a lot of uh, for some reason, uh, there's just a lot of people avoiding carbs right now, um, and, and uh, whether it's an effort to uh, lose weight or kind of bring down some glucose levels or whatever, it's a, it's a very popular to do that. If you can, if you remember what the exact words that you just used, you're talking about oats, you're talking about barley, you're talking about legumes, which are beans, you know, lentils peas. These are all things that contain carbs. And so just as a reminder, you know, uh, limiting carbs may be okay for some things and maybe we need to watch portion and all that, but for the purpose of cholesterol, this is, this is huge. Yeah. Same with, uh, several types of fruits, which are rich in pectin, which is a type of soluble, soluble, can't talk soluble fiber again. So like apples, pears, Citrus fruits, um, some of our vegetables are good sources of soluble fiber, Brussels sprouts, eggplant. Um, and like Kat said, avoiding these foods if you're on you know, a lower carb diet, we won't get into those reasons or that topic right now. But often what we see is that people who are trying to follow a low carb for whatever reason, fiber is a type of carbohydrate, right? So if we're following a low carb diet, if you're cutting out food groups, you are going to be low on fiber. 
And a consequence that many people don't think about is the impact on cholesterol levels, particularly if you have a family history or even just a personal history of having high cholesterol. So low carb is, it's not always the answer, right? And we have to think about, I'd say it's rarely the answer, right? (laughs) But we have to think about the other systems in our body that we might be affecting when we try something out like that. So, so true. So, so true. Um, this is unrelated, but your hair is so long, Kelly. I just got it cut. Are you serious? <laughs> it's two weeks beautifully ago. long. It's because I eat a lot of fiber. <laughs> it really helps. Her cholesterol <laughs> levels are on point. Um, yes. <laughs> okay. The other one, I and I think this is kind of a big one. It it seems like a like a something most people understand as a general guideline for eating a healthy diet, but um, limiting what we call quote unquote bad fats or fats that are just not very organ supportive. Uh, this is important for cholesterol because uh, these fats, in a way, kind of work against the elimination of cholesterol. Uh, we know that there's something called saturated fats. Um, if you've heard of that, usually that means uh, fats that are in a solid form at room temperature. I can kind of give you a a general idea of what saturated fats are in trans fats. We know that these two things are not helpful to maintain your cholesterol levels within normal ranges. Um, Saturated fats are also found in like red meat, full fat dairy products, um, some tropical oils like palm oil or coconut oil. Um, would fall into that. And then, you know, trans fats are mostly just found in fast food, processed foods, things that can be delicious, but we do not want to make that to be a huge part of our patterns of eating during the week. And and really big, important kind of take home message. This is not, this is not to say that you can't have foods that you enjoy that are a little bit, um, what do we call highly palatable foods, right? Your, your French fries or, or whatnot. It's just to talk about, uh, the patterns of eating that we should be engaging most of the time should be limiting these kinds of fats, um, in order for you to be able to enjoy those things when you do want them, savor them, uh, and keep that LDL cholesterol, that bad cholesterol, uh, within normal ranges. I'm so glad you said that because I think that's that's such an important message that sometimes gets lost if you're just like Googling, you know, what to do. Sometimes the the recommendations there can be worded in such a way that you're like, oh shit, like I need to be vegan. I can never have French fries again. And that is not at all what Kat or I are saying. The the key is in limiting, right? And and what pattern are you leaning into most of the time? It's okay if you, you know, still want to enjoy meat. We just want to make sure that that's not the only thing you're enjoying and you're getting more variety in your diet. Because when it comes to like protein, for example, talking about, you know, red meat or full fat dairy products, those are higher in saturated fat, right? But they're also high in protein. So if you're consuming less of those, that means that you're increasing other types of protein sources. So maybe plant-based protein sources, edamame, soy, lentils, beans, right? Those high fiber foods that also carry protein. That's right. 
Yeah. And really looking at to um, like those monounsaturated, polyunsaturated fats that we talk about, you know, your extra virgin olive oil is a great one. Some avocado oil is a great one. These also have a lot of flavor. So kind of understanding that this is not an all or nothing, just like Kelly just said, which is important. And I, and I think often, uh, I don't know if you have this issue, Kelly, where it's like, uh, you have a client who might say like, I went to, you know, a birthday party or I use birthday party a lot as an example. I went out with my friends to a bar on a Saturday mm-hmm. or Friday and I had this meal and I feel like everything's ruined. I was like, I was bad. Mm-hmm. Me personally, as a person, I was bad. And I think what's important to take away here too is um, we're not saying like, hey, have really unhealthy habits just so you feel mentally okay. What we're saying is there is a way to do this where you're using a pattern, building a pattern of healthy eating behavior um, that is wide enough for you to not have this like guilt trip after. Yeah. And I would say in our one-on-one sessions, when Kat and I work with clients one-on-one, this concept of like feeling guilty or feeling bad Um, really hinting at that relationship between food and body. This is something that comes up all the time. And, you know, many of us, many clients that we work with, us included, right? You've been on the planet for decades. Like you've had experience with diet culture. You've had experiences maybe where you're told to like eat this or, or not eat that. And so all of that really just swirls around us, right? It really sits with us. And so situations like this, maybe if you just got diagnosed, right? Your your doctor told you you have high cholesterol for the first time. That can bring up a lot of emotions and confusion. And so again, going back to the importance of not beating yourself up, right? And and learning how to select a dietary pattern week Mm -hmm. to week that really supports your health, but also has a little bit of room if you want, you know, to enjoy those French fries once in a while or glass of wine or, or whatever it is. We're all about balance here, right? Yeah. <laughs> we, sure, we sure are. We sure are. Okay, so we've talked so far, we've talked about fiber, which is a big one. we kind of yes. outlining that. We've talked about fats that are probably not super supportive, that we should limit, look into, you know, having a balanced relationship with. Um, what is something else that maybe you bring up with your clients um, that might be supportive to lowering your cholesterol levels? I think we got to talk about the eggs. They come up all the time. <laughs> we do. <laughs> yeah. We do got to talk so about eggs. This yes. This is a yes. cut. So no eggs. Never. You're not never, allowed never. to eat eggs. You have to do those tofu never, egg ever again. shit. Tofu scramble. <laughs> no. If you like that, go for it. Um, but I think a common question that this has been like this the entire time Kat and I have been working in this field, I'm sure decades before probably decades after, right? But people who are struggling with high cholesterol, they want to know, can I eat eggs? How many eggs can I eat? Is it okay? Should I just have the egg white? Do I need to buy those eggs that come in a carton that you pour and I don't really know what's in it? Like, what's the deal? And the key here is understanding that, this is my take, my perspective. Decades ago, really what scientists thought was happening in terms of high cholesterol was that if you eat a lot of dietary cholesterol, so there is actual cholesterol inside some of our foods, egg yolks being 
the primary source, uh, liver, which I don't think is quite as common probably with our listeners, types of shellfish as well. Those are foods high in dietary cholesterol. And so for a long time, what we thought was if you have a lot of those foods in your diet, your blood cholesterol, your serum cholesterol level is going to be higher, right? Cholesterol in, stays in the Mm -hmm. body, goes higher. We get smarter every year, right? There's more and more research coming out. And so really, I would say the past solid decade, if not more, probably more, show us that there are far more factors that impact our blood cholesterol much much more saliently than dietary cholesterol. So with that caveat, I will say, so that basically means if you have high cholesterol, that's not necessarily, it doesn't mean you can never have eggs. You can have eggs. In fact, many people, what our research is showing is that things like fiber intake, the types of fats that we're consuming, those have a bigger impact on diet or on blood Mm -hmm. cholesterol than dietary cholesterol does. So that means that it is definitely okay to include eggs in moderation, liver if you're into that, shellfish in moderation. That's okay because we have learned that the cholesterol in our food doesn't necessarily impact our blood cholesterol the way that we thought because of all these other factors right, that we're going through. One caveat is that people, we're all different, right? We all have unique genetic profiles and there are some people who are more sensitive to taking in that dietary cholesterol than others. So if, for example, you have a really significant family history or you yourself just have a very high total cholesterol level or total LDL, that might be a situation in which you talk with your doctor, talk with your dietitian about limiting dietary cholesterol a bit more just as a a precaution. That's my take. Kat, what would you say? Did I miss anything? Um, no, I, I, I love that you talked about the genetic predisposition. I feel like that is a factor. Um, and how would you know? Often this could be like asking your parents or your grandparents like, Hey, did you have high levels of cholesterol when you went to the doctor? Um, was this an onset that happened fairly young, you mm-hmm. know, like early twenties, mid twenties, early thirties, um, even forties. And if you're like somebody who's physically active, um, if you're somebody who eats fairly balanced and you're like, I don't really know where this cholesterol is really coming from. Um, that might be a few signs that you just say, okay, well maybe I just have a more sensitive to it. And that is nothing. I feel like nutrition and health outcomes and disease or any kind of um, predisposition to having some sort of illness, we take that incredibly personal. Like it is my fault that I have this. And we, we, we barely understand genetics in this, uh, <laughs> you know, sort of uh, general context. And so it's important for, for you to know if, if that is you, maybe limiting things that have dietary cholesterol to a point that it feels safer Sometimes I've had a client who feels like they have been able to manage cholesterol levels with everything we've talked about, um, but also limiting the amount of whole eggs that they're using. So they're using one egg as a limit per day. I mean, I wouldn't think that that's a crazy limitation, Mm. uh, but for them it worked. And if they wanted something like a little bit more volume, they didn't use the egg yolk. They use egg whites to kind of help a little balance um, their breakfast in the morning. And in general, cholesterol levels have maintained within normal limits. And so 
great point on uh, genetic predisposition, which is kind of common. So we've covered a few of the big ones. Um, Kat, are there any, uh, I feel like there's, there's a lot of factors we could talk about, but our episode would be really long. So is, are there any other main factors that you feel like you often discuss with patients when you're talking about high cholesterol? I think one aspect of high cholesterol, so generally we think cholesterol, we think total cholesterol, we think your LDL, your HDL, whatever, but triglycerides is part of that lipid panel. Um, and, uh, usually something that is, uh, kind of connected. I think there is some evidence to say that they're consuming like excessive amounts of added sugars or something we call refined carbohydrates does tend to push that triglyceride level high. And so if you're somebody who has their annual checkup with their doctor post like Halloween or <laughs> like Thanksgiving or Christmas or a time that you're eating a lot of sweets and you're like, my triglyceride level is high often and I don't really know, maybe it could be that just around that time you're consuming more things that have added sugars or refined carbs. And refined carbs are just the opposite of whole grains, whole wheat, right? Something that doesn't really contribute a lot nutritionally. Um, and usually that is sort of the connection between high triglyceride levels um, and dietary consumption, excessive consumption of these two things. And so uh, maybe looking into that, if that is an area that we need to limit or add some healthy boundaries, have it so that you can enjoy it, but not be something that makes the base or the bulk of your weekly intake. Yeah, that would probably be the last one I was going to bring up as well. I think, and, and triglycerides like to to put it simply, because I feel like there tends to be some confusion around like, what are triglycerides? How does that, like, is that cholesterol? Is that a type of cholesterol? Like, how does that relate? And to put it simply, like triglycerides are essentially a type of fat in our bloodstream and our body uses mm -hmm. fat to store energy. So if you have a diet high in added sugars, your body, and you don't use all that sugar, right? If you're not just like running mm -hmm. around all day, exercising or, or whatever, you're going to store that extra energy. And so that's why we see the, the triglyceride number start to, to increase. And so often these things can co-occur, right? If someone has higher LDL, they might also have higher total cholesterol. They might have higher triglycerides. So like all these numbers are part of a lipid panel and often we see right. them, not always, but often we see them trend together. And so understanding like what are the different components and, and everything we've talked about in this episode, right? What can I do specifically to support getting these numbers where I want to be? That's, that's a really important thing to understand versus just like eat healthy, right? Go for a walk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like there are more specific things that we can do to support your health in this way. So hopefully we've covered some of those, the big ones today. The big ones, yeah. Just to add very quickly, um, in case somebody has had some diet education, has had high levels of cholesterol, and then omega-3s make it into the conversation, and they're listening to this, and they're like, they didn't even talk about it. Um, I'm just going to like swoop in real fast. This is why um, we recommend having some form of fatty fish at least twice a week, is because they're rich in omega-3s. Um, 
they help lower, lower not just triglyceride levels, um, cholesterol levels in general. They're also kind of a powerhouse of nutrient-dense foods. And so if your doctor talks about omega-3s and supplementation, consider maybe some way of getting a little bit of more fish into your diet um, because we can meet those goals by dietary approaches and not necessarily have to run to a supplemental form. Right. You don't have to take fish oil. You can certainly eat fish. You know, if you, if you feel like you don't like it, maybe give it a try, right? There's so many amazing recipes and, and ways to cook fish. So if you've had it and you've not loved it, I would encourage you not to take that as a sign that like fish oil is your only <laughs> option. Cause I think there are a lot of ways you can experiment and, and omega threes is definitely one that comes up often. And when we back when we talked about like saturated fat, trans fat, limiting those, the quote unquote bad fats and increasing types of good fat, omega threes are a type of good fat. They're a type right. of polyunsaturated yeah. fat. And so I think I don't know. I just want to reinforce that because I feel like often the people like hear these terms, but they're not mm-hmm. quite sure on like the relationship between things or like what even is omega-3s, right? Sometimes people just say omega-3s and it's like, does anyone, do we know what we're talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. It's okay if you don't, right? Many people don't. Yeah. And so like those questions are totally fair and you a hundred percent have a right to like ask your doctor about that, to elaborate on something. And if the doctor doesn't know, they should refer you, right? You should be referred to a dietitian or you know, if it's not in the realm of, diet, of nutrition, something else, like there are so many healthcare professionals that are highly qualified and want to help you, us included. Yeah. Us very, very much included. I love that you've put now labels into triglycerides and omega-3s, which I think you're right. I don't know if you remember, but there was like when the gluten-free craze just started happening, a lot of people were like, yeah, I avoid gluten. And you're like, what is gluten? And they're like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just not good for me. Um, so it's it's good to have those labels, but um, I I really appreciate it. So hopefully, as a take home, just like a real quick recap, we talked about including a high fiber a high fiber diet mm-hmm. for lowering cholesterol levels, particularly soluble fiber, which we talked about the importance of carbs. I mean, fiber is found in carbs, and that is a good thing. Avoiding these kind of like quote unquote bad fats and really adding these kind of good fats, the, the, the few things that we just mentioned. Um, so olive oil, avocado oil, um, or avocados itself, uh, nuts and seeds, fatty fish, right? We talked about, um, what else did we talk about? We talked about uh, dietary limit- cholesterol and kind of the dietary the cholesterol exactly. around that still. Genetic predisposition, yeah. right? Um, we talked about limiting refined carbohydrates or added sugars mm-hmm. as they relate to triglycerides. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like that's kind of, those are the main points that we usually talk about. So if you have any questions, reach out to us. Um, the last thing we want to do is to give you uh, what we feel like it's practical information and for you to be like, ah, I didn't get that. <laughs> so reach out to us if you have any questions. Yes, please do. You can find us on our website, newtriving.com, uh, Instagram, 
Pinterest, all those things. Mostly our podcast. This is this is where we hang out, as well as our email list, yeah. which you can subscribe to at our website, newtriving.com, and get all the, the latest info. So we appreciate you guys being here. Um, Kat and I will be back with another episode in about two weeks. So we will see you then. Yeah. Bye, friends. Bye.